into the mess of this world to how we're naturally born. This is our spiritual way we ought to be. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, today, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control will come in weeks ahead. Before we get too far along, let's define kindness. The Greek word here used for kindness is krestathes. Uh, it translates as gentleness, or in, in other versions say the word gentleness and the fruit of the spirit. Sweetness, moral goodness. There's a Greek word that talks about old wine, prestos, which some people say we should be kind of like that. We should be mellow. But Baptists don't like to use wine examples, so forget you heard that. <laughs> On August the 18th in 1988, George H.W. Bush received his party's nomination for President of these United States. And in his acceptance speech, and you'll probably remember these words being thrown around, he called for a kinder, gentler nation. You remember that? Kinder, gentler nation. That worked, didn't it? You think it worked? You think we're kinder than we were 30 years ago? I don't think so. It is sad to see the lack of kindness in our society. And it seems to be getting worse from day to day, doesn't it? It seems to be getting worse. But we as Christians are called to be above that. So different, starkly different from this world. We're called to be kind. I've heard before, and I've shared this with you before, I've heard that there are just two reasons for people not to be Christians. One, they never met one, and number two, they have. And you probably understand what I'm saying when I say that. If they've never met a Christian, they've never heard the news, but if they've met one that didn't practice it correctly, that wasn't kind, well, then they say things like, I don't want it. That's what they are. I don't want that. You've heard that. If we're a believer, controlled by the Spirit of God, we're going to be kind. Period. It doesn't matter to whom. Because it's to everyone. We cannot pick and choose who we are kind to. I remember years ago, early in my ministry, somebody asked me, what's the worst part about the ministry? And, and I love what I do, so I had to think for a minute. And I remember my answer to them. I said, well, you can't tell people what you really think of them. <laughs> Isn't that a lovely answer? I can't go to Kay and say, now, Kay, I just want to tell you. Ah. <coughs> now, if we're controlled by the Spirit of God, and love is in our heart, and we're going to be kind, you can tell people what you think of them. Because you're going to think and lovely thoughts and you're going to be good to them. And so it changes you. It changes the way you think and certainly the way that you act. Today we're going to look at a story where it appears that Jesus is cruel, not kind. Can you imagine that? It's an odd story that Matthew tells us. It's in chapter 15. We begin verse 21. Jesus left Galilee, went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. 
I've got a different version here in the flag, so I'm going to read from yours. But you see what happened here. Jesus is encountered by a Gentile woman, that's a non-Jew, and her daughter is demon-possessed and she wants help. And she comes to Jesus. Who else would you go to and need help for my daughter? I can't blame this woman. As parents, we'll do anything for our kids, won't we? This woman, no doubt heard about Jesus, his healing. So here she comes, and it's odd what happens next in verse 23. In verse 23 it says, He did not answer her at all. And his disciples came up and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He did not answer her at all. Jesus gave her the cold shoulder. Didn't say a word. And she just asked him about her daughter. And I don't blame her. What's he doing here? Why didn't he answer? I think he's upset. Not at the wall. But at the 12 guys behind him. Who came up to him and said, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. Send her away. She's bothered. He taught them about love and about kindness. But had they learned anything? Jesus had just fed the crowd of 5,000 men plus women and children with the five loaves and the two fish. And are the disciples thinking now, well, we're too good for small crowds? We, we need big crowds. We don't need individuals coming after Jesus. We just need to be there for the big stuff. They had no time for this rude, loud, foreign, Gentile woman. And what Jesus does next seems cruel. Verse 24 of Matthew 15. He looked at her and he said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Not for you. I bet the disciples loved him. That's telling her, Jesus, we don't have time for her. The likes of her. But it's an odd thing for Jesus to say because thus far in his ministry, he helped Gentiles before, including the Samaritan woman and others who were not Jews. But why now? Why tell her this? She's persistent. In verse 25, it says, She came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. Now, you'd think that would do it, wouldn't you? She's, she's right there at him, kneeling, begging for help for her child. And you would think Jesus would say, Oh, okay. You're serious. I'll, I'll help you now. But the next words that come out of Jesus' mouth are amazing and confusing if we don't understand the point. And I'll get to the point, I promise, in a minute. Verse 26. There she is at his feet, begging for her daughter. And he looks and says to her, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. You want to read that again? I'm not making this up. It's in there. You need your version and look. I didn't have Jeannie just arbitrarily print some verses to pretend it's in the Bible. That's in there. It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dog. 
to a kneeling, begging woman in front of him. It does not seem to come. What did he just say there? And are the disciples happy now? Were they saying, wow, Jesus sure has a way with words, right? He told her, he put her in a place. I bet she won't bother us anymore. Before he said I would be willing to bet that he winked at her. Before he said it, I bet maybe he whispered to her, watch the 12 guys behind me when I tell you this. And the woman responds to what Jesus just said. She said, Lord, that's true, but well, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. All of the disciples watching this have to be incensed now. That this woman would reply to Jesus after they thought he put her in her place. But before they can say a word, Jesus says this in verse 28. Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. So the woman got what she came for. She got what she wanted. But the stuff she went through to get there with this odd conversation. Why did Jesus talk to her like that? I think it was to teach his disciples a lesson. His disciples then and his disciples now. We are called to be kind to one and to all. And Jesus wanted his disciples to learn. And so he used exaggerations with this woman to prove a point to these 12 going guys. God's love is for everyone. And if this world would grasp that concept, it would be a different world, wouldn't it? But we like to draw lines. We like to put categories and groups and say, I love this, but not, I can't love that. If we do things like that, it's not kind. Kindness changes this world. I'll never forget, not too long ago, in the past few years, I was in a business in Sandy Springs. I grew up here and was gone for 35 years and came back a few years ago. I was in a business and they asked for my name and I said, I'm David Cruz, I'm here to pick up my vehicle. And a man my age came up and stuck his hand out at me and said, are you the David Chippers that went to Sandy Springs High School? And I said, I was. And he told me his name and I remembered his name. And he began to tell me my high school experience was not a good one. I was picked on a lot. But he remembered that I was kind to him. And he wanted to thank me and shake my hand. I'm so glad you didn't come to say, oh, you remember you being a jerk in high school? I remember you were cruel to me, and I just wanted to come across the counter and punch you out. You didn't do that, thank God. But the thing that struck me was 40 years later, 40 years later, he remembered the way I treated him. He remembered I was kind. People remembered of me. We remembered. Sister Helen Marsola was a Franciscan nun. And she had a boy in the third grade named 
Mark Etchett, St. Mary's School in Morris, Minnesota. It was 1959 when Mark was in the third grade. Sister Helen had him later on again in junior high and she taught him math. But when Mark was in the third grade one day, the teacher had the students get out two pieces of paper and write everybody's name on and skip lines on the two pieces of paper, write all their classmates' names. And then she said, think of the nicest thing you can say about your classmates and write that next to their name. And so it took the remainder of the class for the kids to write down what they liked about everybody. That Saturday, the teacher wrote down the name of each student on a separate sheet of paper and listed what everybody else had said about them. So Tom said this, Susie said this, Sally said this. The teacher condensed it so each student would have a piece of paper with everybody said they liked about them. When she handed them out that next Monday morning, all the kids, she could hear, really? I never knew somebody liked me like that. I never knew that people thought that about me. And she thought it was a good assignment, and they moved on. This group of students moved on. In April of 1971, Mark was sent to Vietnam, and he never returned home. He did not die in combat, he died of natural causes while he was deployed. They shipped his body back. At his funeral, the church was packed with friends and classmates, and Sister Helen was there too. After the service, one of the soldiers came, who was a pallbearer, and he said, were you Mark's teacher? And she said, yes. He said, Mark talked about you a lot. He introduced Sister Ellen to the family, and Mark's parents remembered her. They invited her to a luncheon at their house after the service, along with several of his friends and classmates. Mark's father pulled aside Sister Helen and said, I want to show you something. And he took a wallet out of his pocket. It was Mark's wallet that Mark had with him in Vietnam and everywhere he went. Opening the billfold, he removed out the piece of notebook paper that Sister Helen had written on in 1965. In 1959, when Mark was a third grader, he carried it with him wherever he went. It meant so much to him. Mark's mother thanked her for doing that, and she said, as you can see, Mark treasured. At this time, a lot of Mark's classmates saw the paper and came up. Boy named Charlie smiled and said, I still have my list. It's in the top drawer of my desk at the office. And Chuck's wife said, Chuck asked me to put his in our wedding album. Marilyn said, it's, I have mine too, it's in my diary. Then Vicki, another classmate, reached into her pocketbook, took out her wallet, showed her worn piece of paper from 1965, and said, I carry this with me, at, or 1959, I carry this with me at all times. I think we all saved our lives. People remember, don't we? We remember acts of cruelty, and we remember acts of kindness. And people will judge the church and the kingdom of God by our kindness or our lack thereof. And I would argue more people have been brought to Christ by acts of kindness 
than by all the theology in this world. If you argue I'm not a theologian, David, then I'm going to argue you can be kind, kid. So go and do it. And show the world what the love of Christ does, no matter what. This was written on the wall in Mother Teresa's home for children in Calcutta. And I love it. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you'll win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. Succeed anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating others is to destroy overnight. Creating. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best that you have and it will never be enough. But give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. It is between us and God. The way I treat you, God takes notice of. The way I treat anyone I encounter, God takes notice of. Go home and read Matthew 25 if you don't believe it. Remember what Jesus said? As you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. God is watching. The world is watching. And we have such a great opportunity to bear fruit as we are kind to a world well might not even deserve it. But that's what we do. Let's pray together.